It's Sports by the Book. Welcome in at the South Point Studio. I'm Matt Never, joined by my lovely co-host Alex White. And we've got a special guest right off the top of the show today from behind the book. It's Vinny Maiulo. Vinny, thanks so much for stopping by. Good to be with both of you. Very good. Exciting a weekend. Of smiles. Of NFL, yeah. I mean, you, obviously, you guys <laughs> got some cash like a lot of folks yesterday. So that's good. Yeah, not too bad. Um, prop bet's better than anything. but Yeah, well, there's always that option now, That's right? right? You don't have to live with just uh, the game or the uh, or the total or the, the, the halftime. So you've got uh, got a lot more options now. So that's good. A pretty good weekend. Pretty balanced both behind and in front of the counter. It was interesting to see kind of different books and their exposure in the futures market. Uh, it was also one of the highest viewed NFL weekends in the history of the league. couple of notes right off the top. That Packers 49ers game was the most watched Saturday program on NBC outside of the Olympics ever. And then wow. even the, the Texans-Ravens game, which ended up being the least competitive of the four games, was ESPN's top NFL broadcast ever outside of the Super Bowl because of the ABC affiliation. But it, they were breaking viewership records, and everybody seemed kind of cued in, mm -hmm. ready to go. The numbers were very tight. That was one thing that we saw throughout the entirety of the week, especially in that last game, the Chiefs-Bills. Mm -hmm. Anytime it got to three points, a ton of Chiefs money came in, and then... Yeah. It would go back to two and a half. All the Bills bets came in. So we'll start with that one. I know it was a yeah. pretty good weekend for you guys overall. How did you guys behind the counter make out on that game specifically? Well, yesterday, that, that game was not a, a good game for, for the house, actually. Um, uh, but, but you know, Matt, we were talking off air. Let's So so why was that game not? The, the main reason was, was there two-way action on the game? Yes. Um, the worst case scenario would have been Bills by exactly three. Uh, but we needed the game to come under. Uh, what happens in, in, you know, let's look at a typical NFL week, right? Where you've got the Thursday night game, which kind of lights the fuse and gets everything rolling for the weekend. And then you've got, of course, Saturday college football going into Sunday. You've got Sunday, which just snowballs, right? Because everybody, uh, or a lot of folks, I should say, have their, their multiple wagers, whether they're parlays, uh, I'll put the point spread or parlays uh, or teasers. Uh, Moneyline parlays and things. So when, by the time you get to Monday, you've got all this carryover going to both sides in essence, right? So uh, typically on Mondays, um, the books are in a – there's liability on both sides. Well, now you've got these four games, which have a concentration of wagering, right? And it's interesting you talked about the the, the TV ratings. I can tell you this, the, 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 the booking ratings are, were higher as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, so – you know, obviously, I think this sports betting thing, it's probably going to take off. I, I just have a feeling. I think <laughs> it's going to be around for a right. little bit. <laughs> so, but you've, you've got that element now going. You've got, uh, you know, the, the four games had very popular teams. You know, a lot in, in, you know, there were public teams in terms of the Ravens, in terms of uh, the Niners. The, the Lions have become a, a public team in the last couple of years. Packers always have a, a great following. So you've got that. Now you've got it going to last night. Uh, and again, a primetime game to where, and then the over was was really, uh, you know, a lot of folks gravitated to the over once they found out that there was not going to be snow and you know, inclement weather and things like that. So, um, you know, it wound up being, a, being a, a good day. Saturday was a very a, a good day for the house. Yesterday, not such a good game. In fact, Alex, uh, I was on with you and Jeff yesterday, Jeff Parles, and we were talking about what where we thought that that game might go to, the uh, the Lions game. And I... You know, Jeff had asked, would it come down? We were on the air, and it was at 6. And I said it was probably going to – there would be more of a likelihood of the game going up uh, than coming down. And it certainly did. So right before kickoff, quite a bit of Lions money. So Lions obviously got there. And then, of course, last night's game went over. Uh, Chiefs lost the three, but also some Chiefs money line and things like that. So betters uh, had the uh, you know the, the better of it yesterday, no pun intended, but uh, – that's okay. Now they're uh, they're fresh uh, for this week. And I alluded to it a little bit. I had mentioned that you guys didn't necessarily need the Chiefs as much as some other books in terms of futures liabilities. I know some yeah. books were really going to get crushed if, if the Bills were to win and to win the mm -hmm. Super Bowl. But you said that you guys were not in that same boat. Not not that bad, actually, Matt. You know, I think you know Chris uh, Andrews, director. You know, uh, we're we're always you know always looking at futures and and think. I don't think you know. I think what happened when the Bills were in that. I don't want to. It wasn't quite a tailspin, but before when they went on that run, mm -hmm. don't forget you could have still gotten them at double digits in some way. We did not overreact on that. You got it. You got a good price. Alex on was on. I Alex. did. I had thirty to one. Yeah. So so you know you you're looking at that, and I remember Chris and I talking about it. 
with Jimmy Vaccaro and saying, you know what? Listen, this team is not dead. You know, they there's something as long as they have Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay, then they're they're going to be alive. And let's remember, they were in a division that was very winnable, even though the Dolphins had their great start. But again, there was always the element of the Dolphins not beating somebody of quality, right? And of yeah. course that that played out. So yeah. um there's times you you when you're adjusting your futures, particularly going back up, you don't want to overreact. Be- and again, with with the extra playoff spot this year, hey, it was you know I'm not saying that we we figured that the Bills were going to wind up winning the AFC East by any means, but the fact that they were alive right. for a wild card spot to get there. Once you know you get in the tournament, you know having a puncher's chance with uh, Josh Allen. So uh, we didn't quite get that high, and uh, probably uh, helped uh, mitigate that risk. Very you said good. That game wasn't a t- great decision. wasn't terrible either way for you guys. Was there one of the four games that went really, really well for you guys behind the book? Uh, Saturday was a, a, a better day. The, both both uh, games on Saturday wound up being uh, uh, pretty good, especially the um, the second game on Saturday, which was um, Niners Packers. The Niners yeah. Packers. Uh, so that, uh, uh, but but you know what? I mean, again, you you have those you have those kinds of games, and 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 again, it's so concentrated, and these. Two games this week, especially with all of the uh, the props, um, you also have to take into account from our side of the counter now because now you've got you're going to post your conference futures as well this week. So uh, and and these uh, these uh, remaining teams are, are pretty good. I mean, obviously, um, you've got uh, quite a bit of chalk working for you here because they were look. If you look at them, Chiefs were favored in the West. Ravens were right uh, right there in in their division. Uh, the Lions were favored in uh, uh, in the NFC North, and of course the Niners. So that is also a, a trickle down effect to to the conference too. So uh, we're in pretty good shape. I can't believe this. We have three NFL games left of the season, yes. but now we're just adding more and more props each week, kind of leading yeah. up to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So you have a sheet here. Yep. Talk us through a couple of these, and then what other ones you guys will be putting out throughout the week yeah good question alex and if you look at the the sheet that we've got here at the south point there's some look ahead props okay so obviously we've got the the games and the first halves uh and 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 of course there'll be in-game wagering you've got your um uh the uh you can bet if the super bowl matchup now too that you think may occur so the the super bowl odds are posted here so if you think it's going to be the chiefs and the lions you can bet that game right now with the Chiefs as a, a three-point favorite. And, of course, the total at 50.5. If you think it's going to be the Chiefs and the Niners, Niners are three and 46.5. Ravens and Lions, uh, Ravens four and a half and 50. And if you think it's going to be the Ravens and the Niners, the two the two favorites, uh, right now it's the Niners one and 47.5. And now, you've got to – it has to happen that way. Yeah. So it's not like, well, you know what, my matchup didn't get there. Well, you had the chance to. To, to bet it and you know you had a chance to bet the other ones too but the other thing is you say well, well why would somebody bet that now because the number may change right. once the actual matchup comes out depending on what happens in those games and remember the second game uh of this week is going to be uh, uh the niner game so that's what's fresh in everybody's mind and oftentimes from our side of the counter that has a bit of an impact on uh, on how the number uh, gets posted as well. Certainly. And are you guys seeing any action on any of any of these so far? Uh, yes. Uh, so we've already got toggler's uh, going. I mean this this Raven, we opened the Ravens three and a half. Uh, it's already moved uh, almost a half a dozen times between three and a half and three back to three and a half. So uh, that game has gone back and forth. And the Niners uh, opened seven, went down to six and a half, and they laid the six and a half back to seven. So. Two key numbers in play already, and uh, you know what? Um, we've been dodging some key number of bullets all all postseason. I, I, I hope that uh, that trend continues. But <laughs> again, you've got uh, uh, you know uh, again yes no props as well. So m- right now the props that are up are look ahead props, but this Sunday we'll have some really good game props uh, as well. Be fun, and there's yeah. a couple of really interesting matchups. And mm-hmm. I was interested to start it off looking at those viewership numbers because it's only going to go up. Oh my week goodness. to week and then yeah. year to year. One thing, one last question for you before yeah. we let you go. We're yeah. about to bring in our producer, Ryan McCormick, and we're going to talk about some lessons that we learned, a yeah. bullet point or two. Is there maybe one or two overarching things that maybe you didn't necessarily have 100% certainty before this weekend that you now know? Yeah, um, you, you can pray all you want, even as a bookmaker, and sometimes your prayers aren't answered because there's a lot more prayers going uh, going the other way. No, you know, so, 
A lot you, more betters than bookies I, out there. I, I'll tell you what. You know, some things. There's always something to to learn. Uh, you know, even you know, again, Chris, Jimmy, and I are almost combined 150 years in this business. But you 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 know what you learn. Um, people are are. It's reinforcement too for a lot of things. People are committed. They they are. They're happy and proud to put their money where their mouth is. And this is the ultimate put your money where your mouth is uh, aspect of the casino operation. So um, people will adjust to whatever, you know, times and things like that. Um, I'll tell you what, this this whole streaming thing that's coming about, not everybody's going to have it at the house. So we get to see them and share share uh, more time with, uh, with our customers and things like that. Um, I think... One of the other things that uh, that r- really we we learn is that people want they want more they want more options and things like that and we try to accommodate. You can't put up every single thing. You want to put up things that are going to get play, um, but people are are also willing to come up with suggestions too and say, hey, "Listen, this is what you know what we're, we're you know what we're looking for and and looking into and things like that." So. A lot more reinforcement of things, Matt, and uh, you know. But again, there's always something. To you, you do learn too from watching some of these coaches and l- learning their trends and things like that. I know there's a lot of talk about Todd Bowles' decision to go for the two in that particular spot, and uh, you know, and you know, I'm not a big. I don't. I don't think analytics is the end all be all, as a lot of folks do now. You still have to do some things by by feel and by uh, uh, by gut. Um, because I always say this about uh, algorithms, they they don't have eyes and they they don't right. breathe. So there's you've got to have that you know kind of balance. Uh, it's a little bit of art and science type things too. So um, yeah, long answer, but a lot more reinforcement. But keeping an open mind as to you know uh, particularly what trends people are following, because I think trends you know we can't rely on trends. But you can pay attention to the fact that betters do rely on trends, and um, you can anticipate a lot on on what you know that how that's going to drive their their wagering. Sometime it's always interesting talking to you, Vinny. You've got huh. such a good perspective. He's a big streaming guy as well. It means that the folks get out here to uh, to the South Point book and <laughs> and come hang out. We'll let you get back behind right. the counter. Keep Thank dodging you, those. Good uh, to be with both bullets, of you. Yeah. All right, yeah. all right. Good job, Vinny Maiulo. Right off the top, he's he's one of the best for a reason. I mean, Chris and Vinny and. Everybody else here at South Point, they've been doing it forever, and there's a good reason for that. So, Vinny, we thank you so much for, for stopping by. we got Mark Zeno joining us in about 15 or so minutes. He'll come in and uh, tell us a little bit about his thoughts, and he's got a couple of NBA plays as well, but I, I teased it, and we'll bring in Ryan McCormick. Ryan, thank you for uh, for being patient with us and getting this show underway. <laughs> of course, We're going to start out with lessons we learned, and yep. it's just kind of you know three bullet points from each of us, and similar to what we did last week, neither of us, none of us have seen the other person's bullet points. So I'll be interested to see kind of what the themes are. Do you want to go first, Ryan? Sure, I can go first. Let's see Ryan's three lessons that he learned from the NFL betting weekend. All right, so I'll start with uh, teasers were gold last week. It's not for me. 15 of 16 choices of teasers hit. So if you teased a team total down, or if you teased the over-under down, it hit. You tease it up, and it, the under hit. And then the um, the team sides. So if you the only one that didn't hit was the Texans to cover their right theirs against the Ravens. And so the the teasers were 15 of 16 last week. So and somehow I found a way to have a Texans 49ers team. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the next one I had um, the Buffalo Bills championship window is pretty much closed, if not already like it's closing, if not already closed. They um, are 40, almost $44 million over the cap for next year with only 44 players under contract. Yes, they can restructure Josh Allen's deal and get $23 million back, but they're also looking at the drama with Stefan Diggs and everything yeah. else going on in that locker room. If he is not their number one wide receiver, their offense doesn't really move that much because uh, Gabe Davis isn't going to get it done. Shakir isn't going to get it done. Their offense needs a prolific wide receiver for Josh Allen. And so I, I think their, their window is pretty much, pretty much over with. And then my biggest takeaway was that this Super Bowl is the Ravens to lose. They did not allow a second-half point against the Texans. They did not allow a touchdown on defense against the Texans, which that was their best 
side of the ball. They only allowed a special team touchdown, which is their first special team touchdown in like 12 years wow. under John Harbaugh. And their defense is the real deal. We saw them beat up on the Niners earlier this year. I don't think that if the Lions somehow get through San Francisco, that they'll be able to do anything against the Ravens. And I really think that that matchup will probably be the same as long as Baltimore gets through Kansas City, which I know Patrick Mahomes is now 10-1-1 and one and one against the spread as an underdog in the playoffs. Um, but this Super Bowl is, is the Ravens to lose right now. I like all of those. I do too. Those were all so I, I didn't necessarily do mine in an order, but I really like the way that you kind of tiered those. Well, I think he tiered I them. I built them, you. yeah. I built them all <laughs> the same way. So you, you've got tiers. And you, you, you had ours to see, so we'll give yeah. you a little credit for that. Yeah. Also, last week we did our power ratings. Yeah. Or rankings, because there is a difference. Uh, I think just about all three of our bottom three all lost. So we uh, are do these blind reveals are going well so far. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll let Alex go next. What were your big yes. three? So that's funny that you say that about the Ravens. I've been talking about the Ravens for quite some time now. And my very first one says, though, that you can't count out Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I was on the Bills yesterday. I thought this was their year. They finally got to host that game. And Patrick Mahomes still found a way to get it done. He does have the best defense that he's had yet, though. So that yeah. helps, of course. Number two on my list, I believe you're not going to like this one, Matt. The Lions are a little fraudulent, especially defensively. They were outgained in both of their games by the Bucks. They had 408 yards to Detroit's 391. Also yards per play, Tampa Bay 6.5 to Detroit's 5.5. That also happened the week before against the Rams. So that's a big concern for me moving forward with the Lions and their defense, especially their secondary. And then the last one, um, Vinny actually probably would have given this one too, but we talked about this yesterday. Next year, look at those first halves with the dogs because they went 3-1 and one this week, and especially against the teams that are coming off a of bye week, they went 2-0, and oh, and that is the Texans. They were tied at half against the Ravens, and then, of course, Green Bay against San Francisco. It's interesting. Yeah, definitely something to think about, and I, I really liked some of the stuff that you had to say last week about the team totals. Uh, the first half versus second half split. Vinny had a really good point about the last drive of the first half of in course. every game compared to the last drive of the second half. You're not always trying to score at the end of the second half. You basically are always trying to score at the end of the first. That's definitely something, especially if the dog gets the ball last with a chance to bring it close at the halftime. I, I like a lot of those. And then that first half with the Bills and the Chiefs, that second quarter was by far the highest scoring quarter. And then the Chiefs managed to uh, stay under. In the second half, again. Oh, yeah. Where's the number on that? The Chiefs' best second-half under team in the league might have been the best ever, depending on how late, how long they've been tracking that back. The Chiefs, in the second half this year, are 17-2 and two to the under. Crazy. You go in the fourth quarter alone, they're 18-1 and one in the fourth quarter to the under. So not only do they not score, their defense locks it down late in game. So I like, I like both of yours. I think that there was enough of a, of a spread between those, right? Yeah, All right, we'll get, we'll, we'll get to mine. Mine are a little bit more specific. There are some people that I was ready to call out my number three, it turns out Brock Purdy can lead a late-game comeback. That was one thing that a lot of folks had doubted him solely because he had never had to. It's one of those things you got to show to prove it. But Brock Purdy gave the 49ers their first win this year when trailing at the half. And that's remarkable to be a team in the position that they're in as far as they are in the NFL playoffs and to have never had to make right. a second-half comeback. Turns out Brock Purdy can do it. He also gave Kyle Shanahan his first win in the fourth quarter when trailing. Which yeah. that's he was, one, he was 0 30. Crazy. When trailing Considering by five that or more. Shanahan, yeah. deservedly so, gets credit for being one of the best and most innovative coaches in the NFL. But right. you got to win games when you're behind late. That's how you yep. keep your job for long. Yep. I mean, his dad found that out the hard way in Denver. Um, <laughs> so my, my number three, Brock Purdy, turns out he can lead a comeback. Uh, my number two lesson that I learned, we talked about a little bit earlier, Todd Bowles may not know late game <laughs> clock management. That one for me was bad enough. And then when you take his quotes not only after the game but earlier today in a, in a press conference where he said that if they would have called a timeout late in that game we'll, we'll break it down a little bit more as far as the specifics it would have delayed the inevitable no it would have given your chance a team to at least tie a playoff game with like 30 seconds left so i don't the fact that he doubled down yeah. on that take is asinine it's crazy to me that a coach will say oh it was delaying the inevitable every other coach in the league i'd like to think would have at least taking a timeout, giving his team a shot. They're not going to win the game, but you're not losing it. It's, right. It is the only guaranteed way to lose is to not call that timeout. So Todd Bowles may not know how to manage late game. Dan Campbell either. The Lions were taking those knees early, earlier than they should have 
in, in the play clock. And then my number one lesson, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid officially own the Bills during the playoffs. We <laughs> saw this matchup in the regular season where the Bills got a really emotional, really heartfelt and passionate win against these Chiefs. But it's the one thing with Kansas City, one thing with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, the regular season almost doesn't matter for them. They just kind of got to get to the dance. And then they have dominated year in, year out. Patrick Mahomes has never not played in an AFC championship game, which is probably the most ridiculous stat that we've thrown out there today. <laughs> but it's like Pedro Martinez with the Yankees back in 2003, 2004, when he said that he just needed to call the Yankees his daddy. That's, that's kind of where we're at with the Bills and, and Andy Reid versus Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they own them in the playoffs. And the big thing was, oh, it was always because they had home field advantage. It was always an arrowhead, blah, blah, blah. They went into the most hostile environment, in, in my opinion, in the NFL with the worst weather and won a game where they really shouldn't have, but they, they found a way to win, and that's what the great teams do. So that's, that's my number one takeaway. I, I guess unintentionally I, I, I tiered those. I probably would have flipped two and three, but yeah, I, I think it was interesting to take a look at just the lessons that we learned. Right. And one of the lessons that we learned is... We I hate that last one that you have, though. <laughs> I really do. Hey, they got to prove it. They got to... All you can go give, off of... Give Josh Allen Andy Reid. Let's see what happens. Let's... That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, let's try. Give Andy Reid any of the top quarterbacks in the league. It would, it would look a lot like he does with Patrick Mahomes. It would be really fun. Yeah. Let's take a look at these games. Not that I don't here. think Patrick Mahomes is... Right. No, but you just add a complete, be, yeah. complete different side of the ball. Like Josh Allen... You can give him the ball at the five-yard line, and he'll probably run it in for a touchdown just bowling people over. You give him Lamar Jackson, he can make a whole lot of things happen. Right. I mean, it's, it's just the type of athlete that you get he knows how to take advantage of. When you bring that up, which makes that fake punt to DeMar Hamlin on right. fourth and one even more crazy, get it to Josh Allen. He probably was expecting to be the one to have the ball in his hands, and they call the fake punt. Whether or not it's DeMar Hamlin, that's a separate storyline, but a fake punt to a defensive back? Right. With it, it, at that situation in the game, I thought that that play calling was was, was crazy. And we'll, we'll get right into this one. You mentioned it. Mahomes now ten and one, ten one and one, ATS as a dog in the playoffs, and they're going to be a dog again this week. Uh, but the Chiefs advancing to their sixth straight AFC Championship game, which I think we're going to start to see some debate brought up in the years that come about Mahomes versus Brady in terms of winning and numbers. And it's, I think, at least going to be somewhat similar to MJ and LeBron, where. One's got a lot of the stats. One's got a lot of the awards. And it's kind of how do you smack in the mic there? How do you quantify both of those together? But uh, Patrick Mahomes, sixth straight AFC championship. And then we got this tweet here and Tom Brady acknowledging the greatness yeah. uh, of, of Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes and Kelsey just passed Brady and Gronk for the most playoff touchdowns by a quarterback receiver tandem in NFL history. And yeah, Tom Brady said, beast. It's, it's incredible to think that with how long Brady and Gronk played together, A, that they did not have more than 15 playoff touchdown passes right. together, but B, that Mahomes and Kelsey, who are both seemingly still pretty young in the game, were able to usurp them this weekend. And to get that acknowledgement from Tom Brady is, has to mean something to Mahomes. Oh, absolutely. I was shocked to see that, that they had already passed them. Too. Lifelong Brady guy. Yeah. Yeah, ex yeah exactly. That was your team. Yeah. So this one opened, uh, Bills two and a half, closed at two and a half. This is the only game of the week, by the way, where the opener and the closer, as far as the, the lines, exactly the same. And I think we heard Benny talk about it. It's because it just went back and forth so, so much. So many times. And that's we're starting to see that, again, with these key numbers this week. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what to say besides the Bills. Just They did their very best, but they were dealing with so many injuries. And they dealt with them the whole year. And I'm not making excuses for them either, but I mean, they really wasn't their full intact team. And I mean, the Chiefs, too. They had dealt with some injuries during the game as well so you've kind of mentioned it off air but it's kind of nice for the Ravens those two just beat up on each other oh yeah and then now Baltimore gets to host it one is. of them so we'll see what happens it, it is interesting I know Mahomes his numbers and everything but the one time he had to play in a wild card game is the year that he lost to Cincinnati Bengals in the championship in 2021 See the lines and the scores there. You never want to be one of the grayed out teams when it, when it comes to this time of the year on that kind of a graphic. Nope. Uh, we're about five minutes away from Mark Zeno joining us, but we'll recap the other game on Sunday before we bring him in to talk about the, the weekend as a whole. Is there a better time to be a Michigan sports fan than right now if you're a football fan? The Wolverines winning the national championship and then the Lions doing things that they haven't done since 1957, we'll say. It's the first time the Lions have won two playoff games since 1957. 
They've never played for a Super Bowl, and they've got a real legitimate shot this year in my eyes. And I just love Dan Campbell. I think he's a great coach. I can see why the players want to play for him. He believes in every single one of them, talks him up. You know, he just told him after that, are you understanding what we're doing? Like, it is so hard to win in this league. We've got two more. We've got a bye week in between. I love that mentality. I mean, it's hard not to root for them. I just, as I mentioned on our What We Learned, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous with their defense and how they have just given up so many yards. And now they have to face the San Francisco 49ers, who I think we're actually getting a good number on them because of their showing against the Packers. So it's going to be a tough one. 31-23 final sends the Lions to the NFC Championship game, which if you would have told me that preseason, I would have told you you were crazy. It's one of those teams where... Everybody knows that they're good, and they've been building this for a couple of years. This isn't yes. a flash in the pan. This isn't a fluke. But just to get where they've gotten, I, I think a lot of people would have thought that that was nuts preseason. And this, this game was interesting, too. It opened at uh, five and a half, Detroit five and a half, closed at six and a half, total open at 48 and a half, closed at 49 and a half. So everything was going towards Lions and over as far as the, the public money, and, and they, were, they were rewarded partially because of that late-game clock management by Todd Bowles. That's right. So it's, uh, we're, we're going to still break these games down. Plenty of detail. We're going to step aside for just a moment. Two minutes away from Mark Zinno joining us here on Sports by the Book, live from the South Point studio. Don't go anywhere. Back in 120 seconds. South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first-class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas' top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grand View Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 12.30, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 12.30 a.m. in the Grand View Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grandview Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. It's Sports by the Book here from the South Point Studio. I'm Matt Neverett, joined by Alex White, our producer, Ryan McCormick, on the other side of the glass. A big thank you once more to Vinny Maiulo for stopping by and opening the show. Always love to get his perspective from behind the book. Him and uh, Chris and Jimmy always have such a good perspective. Always great stories. You never know what you're going to hear That's right. from Vinny Maiulo. And we're joined now, really special guest, a guy that I used to produce for, a betting analyst, sports talk show host, impassioned Atlanta Falcons fan, Mark Zinno joins us, making his Sports by the Book debut. Mark, looking good, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. And how did your bets work out this NFL weekend? Because it's such a mixed bag going across the board. Some people, like myself, did terrible. Some people, like Jeff Parles, who will be back on the in this chair on Wednesday, did great. How did your bets make out this divisional round weekend? Well, the short answer is terrible, but let's just clear one thing up. I'm, I'm not a Falcons fan. I cover the team. I live in this city. <laughs> but I don't want that, uh, that moniker thrown my way at this point in time after after everything that Atlanta, the city of Atlanta has gone through in the sports world. So, yeah, look, I mean, you know, I looked at the, the Ravens-Texans matchup, and, and you know, the numbers certain times just scream at you, right? How fast the Ravens have started all year long, how much they've scored early in games, how many times they've been up by seven at half, 
And I've been at hook, line, and sinker. Uh, I played the Ravens in the first quarter and in the first half and lost them both. Um, and, and usually that game script that happens where, you know, a, a big underdog that covers early doesn't end up covering late is what really unfolded. The Ravens just kind of took advantage. Uh, and really without that kickoff return for a touchdown, the punt return for a touchdown that Houston had, obviously the first half would have covered. But, you know, I mean, those are the breaks, so to speak. So that was a little bit tough. The Niners didn't get home. They just did not play offensively of all the game scripts I put together. I put together game scripts that had the game staying under, had the game going over, had the 49ers going over their team total. The one I didn't put together was that, you know, the Green Bay defense all of a sudden was going to figure out how to stop the 49ers offense. And so that's really what materially unfolded and why that game was much closer than what it was. I guess the Debo Samuel going out obviously played a big role in that too. So a little bit of the struggle bus. Uh, we, we had a prop with Baker Mayfield on Sunday. Uh, in uh, it, over his passing yards, which has been kind of easy money for the Lions, who have given up 300 yards passing and now five consecutive games. So uh, Brock Purdy sporting a pretty hefty number already coming up this Sunday. And then I will shed a tear for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, emotionally invested in that team, really wanted them to win. Plus, I also had a future on them to win the AFC at nine to one after I made it after they lost to the Eagles and were six to six and. Uh, we're six and six, and I really thought that was going to end up cashing, uh, and I was going to be able to hedge it this week. But nonetheless, uh, like you said, not not a great weekend in the NFL for me. And it's a good point you brought up about the Bills. Alex had them at thirty to one to win it all, right? That's right. And I was prepared to hedge next week as well. One of those situations yeah. you just well, got to get also, there. Yeah. Guys, I, I have a ticket on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl and one at nine to one that I got in the beginning of November, and then I had the Bills to win the AFC, and I was in a prime hedge situation yes. if. They both got to that game because I was going to hedge against the Bills and then hedge against the Ravens if they won and got in the Super Bowl, right? Like I had back-to-back -back hedging opportunities that probably would have made me more money than both the wagers that I had made put together. It was, But it was not to be. Thank you very much, um, you know, Buffalo Bills for an idiot kicker. And <laughs> I don't even get started. I, I don't have – you don't know that I have a, a deep hatred like long-standing hatred for kickers. Yeah, you were, you were going off on, on Tyler Bass on Twitter. He's Mark Zinno. You can find him on Twitter, at Mark Zinno. I want to go back to one point that you made about the Packers' defense being able to find a way to slow down this torrid offensive pace that the 49ers have been on, especially as of late. We'll say outside of the Debo injury because that's not necessarily something that anyone can control. What's maybe one or two things that you noticed that Green Bay was able to do to stymie this offensive attack from San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just a myriad of things. The playbook got a little bit smaller without Debo, right? Like, they they obviously had to adjust. There were just things that they couldn't do. And I think that was really a big part of it. Not necessarily from a production standpoint, but if you look at the way Kyle Shanahan, you know, and I, I know this from his time when he was here in Atlanta, but he, he shows it in San Francisco as well. You know, he'll use a formation and a pre-snap motion to dictate one play and then run the same exact formation, pre-snap motion, do something completely different. And when you take a player like Debo out of there who can both run the ball and catch it, I mean, it just, I think the playbook got short. They had to go off script a little bit, and that's really where Brock Purdy struggled. Once we had to get start calling plays on the sheet that they hadn't really worked on the entire week, it's like, well, Brock's coming back down to earth a little bit. You know, the guy that we all thought was going to win the MVP about four or five weeks ago, now all of a sudden looks pretty pedestrian. So losing a player of that caliber not only hurts from a, from a production standpoint, but again, what you have to try to do without him. I think if they have the whole week to game plan without Debo, we're still going to see a little bit of a different result overall offensively, but Going into the thing, assuming he was going to be healthy and then having to pivot really was more than San Francisco was ready to handle. Let's go to the other game with the Chiefs here. So they did take down the Bills, but we've seen this offense look good for three games now against the Cincinnati Bengals, whose defense was bottom five all year, and then the Dolphins and the Bills, who both had so many injuries on the defensive side. What do you take from that? And, I mean, I like the Ravens as well. They have so many weapons and they're playing so well, but it's three, three and a half. Do you like the spread or are you just going to go money line here? Well, I already made a money line bet on it, but I don't know that the spread necessarily matters. I'm back in the Ravens with you, by the way. I don't know. It's This is a game where the Chiefs went outright or the Ravens win by margin. Like okay. that's just kind of the way a lot of these playoff games go, right? I mean, only two of the games so far in the entire playoffs did the spread actually matter. The aforementioned Pack and the Packers against the Niners and the Rams who should have won the game outright against the Lions. Thank you, Sean McVay, for being a putz. Um, you know, they should have won that game outright, but that was the only time where the spread actually mattered, where the favorite covered but did not cover the spread, or favorite won, rather, but did not cover. I, look, here's the thing. The Buffalo Bills dominated every statistical category in that game but the scoreboard. If you didn't see the score, you just looked at the stat sheet, you would have thought Buffalo would have won by 10 or 14 in that game. That's just the way the numbers 
played out. They ran almost as twice as many plays. They had the ball for nearly twice as long. Um, you know, but Buffalo's defense could not force one single punt, and that ultimately is what the difference was. Yep. Kansas City touched the ball five times and put up a score all five times. I mean, you know, that's because they were banged up and couldn't get off the field. It's a little bit different with this Ravens defense. I think the Ravens suffered from a little bit of jitters and nerves in their first home playoff game and everything else against Houston, and Houston was able to withstand the storm. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case here. This Ravens defense is very good. They don't have to blitz. They only have to send four. They lead the NFL in sack store in the regular season because they don't have to blitz that much. And they've got very capable corners. They may get Marlon Humphrey back for this game who didn't play in the divisional playoff round. I mean, this is a level of defense that I'm not sure that the Chiefs have seen in quite some time. I mean, you have to kind of go back and look at their their season. I mean, it feels like the game against the Raiders, the, you know, the most recent one, that's a really competent defense that's on par with what the Ravens can do. Uh, the game against the Broncos that they lost, I think it was 17-9. and Like, this is the level of defense you're going to see from the Baltimore Ravens, and you really start to see Patrick Mahomes struggle a little bit. I, however, think that both of these quarterbacks are going to take off and run as much as humanly possible because, well, with the game on the line, both of these guys want to keep the ball in their hand. And just looking at the, the look-ahead numbers here at South Point, one of the fun props, the highest scoring team of this upcoming weekend. Right now, the Ravens at plus 240 to be the highest scoring team and the Chiefs at three to one. So similar enough numbers of those two. If you had to pick one this weekend, who would it be? Well, I hope it's the Ravens at this point. because <laughs> bad. But I, I, I would actually, if the, what are the Niners? Because I think they may bust out the whooping sticks this week. Yeah, the Niners like, are plus 180. Okay, yeah. So they, there, there is that same thing. Like the Niners last week, I don't think were the full Niners version on offense. I think you get a much better one against what is a very suspect, poor pass defense. And when you take this team and put them on the road, it's a whole different world too as well. If you look at Jared Goff's home road splits, I mean, you know, he's not, he has to play mistake-free football. He cannot afford a turnover to this 49ers team. But I would probably take the Niners to score the most points. But in the question you asked me directly, I hope it's the Ravens because I need them to win on the money line. <laughs> well, in, in, involving Jared Goff, he was, Excellent. He was really good this week. 30 of 43, 287, and two touchdowns. The thing that impressed me the most, Mark, was his three straight long touchdown drives in that second half to really give them the edge that they needed late in that game. But that's the problem with the Lions is that it's going to take another stellar performance from Jared Goff against this 49ers defense that really does not allow much, if any, quarterback success against. What's going to be a couple of things for Goff to keep an eye on against San Fran this weekend? Well, look, the other thing that kept Green Bay in that game was the fact that Aaron Jones had 108 yards rushing uh, against one of the best run defenses in the league. Like, if the Lions can't run the ball with any measure of success, and they weren't really able to run the ball with a whole lot of measure of success against the Buccaneers, right? I mean, Jameer Gibbs was probably the best they have, but Dave Montgomery had 10 carries for just 33 yards, and there was really nothing else. So if they can't run the ball, and the 49ers can pin their ears back and just get after Jared Goff. And if you look at, again, his home road splits, he completes 70% of his passes at home and just like 62% on the road. Uh, his quarterback rating is 107 at home. It's like 89 on the road. Like, this is just a dynamically different quarterback uh, when he's not in the cozy confines of Ford Field. So if they can't run the ball with any measure of success, Jared Goff's going to be back there. And Jared Goff is a guy, when you talk about guys who are under pressure, I know about the touchdowns he has and everything else, but – the metrics tell you, you know, those advanced metrics say he's really bad under pressure and, and the 49ers can take advantage. So you already said you like both quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes to run, which Lamar Jackson anytime touchdown is pretty good as well. Do you have any other props that you're looking at for this weekend already? I did. I mean, Zay Flowers receiving yards number was at like 47 and a half. Wow. It's maniacally low. Like, I, you know, unless the, the odds makers are hedging that Mark Andrews will be back right. and that he's going to take some catch, but still, Zay Flowers went over this number in eight of nine home games this year. The only one he didn't was a 37 to three blowout of the Seattle Seahawks. So he didn't have to, he wasn't even playing in the second half of the game. So he's getting the ball at home. That's a really short number that I suspect would go up. Um, but how does Lamar Jackson not throw the ball to his primary target? I mean, again, Lamar wants the ball in his hands with the game on the line because he's going to remove the narrative that he can't win in the playoffs on his own, right? He's not going to try to throw it to somebody and take the chance they're going to drop it. He's going to tuck it and run. Right. So I guess it's the only thing that kind of keeps him from not 
going over Zay Flowers from not going over this number, but that just seems really, really low for the primary target for Lamar Jackson. Well, not to mention, Mark, they have so many weapons. I'm still just shocked. I know Odell Beckham Jr. is not in his prime right now, but he had one target last game. They didn't even need him in the second half. And then we see Dalvin Cook come in at the end of the game. So, I mean, they just have so much offensively. So I guess that could be another point it likely in all these targets here. Yeah, I mean, look, they spread the ball around really well, to your point. I, I don't think that there's any denying that. Um, I think the run-pass you know, splits are important to look at. And a guy like Zay Flowers, just look at the the target, no, the reception numbers. Like, what does his target share look like and see how consistent that is. Speaking of which, too, Ed McCaffrey also has a low receiving yards prop. Um, and, and his receptions is at four and a half. And I was doing some studying last night that I think he's gotten less than four targets this year, only like five times. So, I mean, obviously, and he got seven, 12 targets and seven receptions in the game against Green Bay. Right. So yeah, he's got a low receiving yards prop and a low receptions prop that I think you might be able to take advantage of. The Ravens are Good. just one of those teams this year where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot he was, forgot that uh, Melvin Gordon played for them at some point this year. I forgot Dalvin Cook signed <laughs> with them. They got rid of Melvin Gordon to bring in uh, Dalvin Cook. And they just have always, even, yeah, Marlon Humphrey, some guys on the back yep. end of that defense, you're like, oh, my God, I forgot he was on the Ravens this year. Right. But they're yeah. just one of those teams. He's Mark Zinno. Sports betting analyst and always great NFL insights. Before we let you go, Mark, want to get your thoughts on a couple of your NBA plays tonight. I know in your Twitter at Mark Zinno, there's a couple of games that you're keeping an eye on. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little crazy, but I'm going to step in front of the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, who have won five, who have won five straight. Um, but you know, this is a team right now that is beating bottom feeder teams. I'm sorry, seven straight, beating bottom, bottom feeder teams during this winning streak. The Wizards twice, the Spurs, uh, the Bulls, who are a terrible shooting team, the Hawks, and the Bucks without Giannis. Uh, and, and the Nets, oh, by the way, in Paris. But they're facing a Magic team that's finally healthy again, right? They're allowing just 107 points per game at home. They're 14-5 and five straight up this year. They're also 8-1 and one against the number against Central Division opponents. Now, the Magic are on a back-to-back, -back, which is a little bit, you know, makes people fret a little bit. But I think we get a little bit of a, of a depressed number here because of it. Um, they're 4-4 four and four against the spread on back-to-backs, but all four of those ATS losses were on the road. This game is at home. Also, when you look at the total in this game, um, it's at 215. During the seven-game win streak, every single total they had was over 220. Five of them were over 230. So that tells you that the odds makers are respecting what the Orlando Magic defense can do. Um, Cleveland also a little bit of a look-ahead spot after this game. They're going to Milwaukee for two consecutive games against the Bucs mm. after beating them by 40 two games ago. Um, Cleveland just beat Atlanta by 21, so you got to feel like they're due for a little bit of regression in some of these blowouts. They're 2-8 and eight to the uh, over in games after winning their previous by 10 points, so I think they come back a little bit. Also, no Darius Garland in this game. He had 26 and 36 in the first two games against the Magic. I think it's a good spot right here. Magic on the money line at home, stealing a win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, the Magic, one of the younger, if not the youngest teams in the NBA as well, so that back-to-back -back angle may not have as much of an effect on them as as opposed to some others in that total that you had brought up, 215, that's by far the, the lowest of the night. But you said you kind of like it to go over. It may not be an official play, but you said Cleveland has been trending way to the over recently? Well, Cleveland has, yeah. But I think this is a game there that when oddsmakers are putting at 215, they're telling you that they're not going to have that same offensive success against a good defensive team. You know, the Orlando Magic are third in the NBA in defensive efficiency. They don't mess around. Uh, and again, I think the health factor is a big thing. They went through a rough stretch there where their injury report was as long as a CVS receipt. You know, like that's how long it was. So, I mean, you know, th this is a team now that's finally getting healthy and, and back. And I think that also in the back-to-back -back helps them. A lot of these guys just haven't played in like two weeks, period. And I know you're on one other NBA game, right, for tonight. Who, who else you got? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I, I It's one of these games where I'm just sort of playing against uh, a, a team that doesn't shoot all that well. Another back-to-back -back here, the, the Phoenix Suns are hosting the Bulls. Uh, this is a Suns team that's been on the rise since Christmas, one of 10 of 13, right? Um, even though their ATS numbers aren't great, they're 6-6-1 six, six uh, against the number over that span. The Suns' overall record ATS also bad. But I think that's why we're getting a little bit of value here with Phoenix. Uh, the Suns, worst, uh, you know, one of the worst marks in the league. And, but, but they also, their wins as of late, as they come into this game, winning 10 of 13, not against bottom feeder teams. They played real opponents. 
You know, the worst opponents they played were Portland twice, Charlotte, and Memphis. So, you know, of those 13 games, nine of them were against real opponents, and they're winning them. The Bulls are a bottom five scoring team in the NBA this year and bottom 10 in offensive efficiency. And after Christmas, guys, Phoenix has been shooting the lights out, going 52% from the field, almost 40% from beyond the arc. Their big three of Durant, Booker, and Beal is finally starting to show what they're capable of. Uh, Phoenix at home. Scoring 117 points per game. Again, Bulls not a very good shooting team. Uh, Bulls are coming off a big blowout win over Memphis. I think they come back down to earth. I'll lay the five with Phoenix tonight at home. So Mark Zinno, he is on the Magic money line and the Suns laying five points at home. I like both of those, especially after hearing those reasonings for sure. Um, Mark Zinno, big thank you so much. Always excellent. You can find him on Twitter, at Mark Zinno. If you like kickers, he's the guy to tweak because he'll go back and forth with you all day. Uh, But, Mark, thanks again for joining us, and we'll keep an eye on that coaching search in Atlanta. Yeah, thank you both, guys. It was a pleasure to do it. Talk to you. Appreciate it, Mark. Yeah, great points on the the NBA. Well, I thought that um, Orlando should be more like a pick'em, so I I feel like that as well. That one kind of swung a little bit. I know it opened a little closer to a pick'em. Your your thoughts on those two games, though? Yeah, no, right there. I, I agree. I thought the move was a little aggressive on Cleveland, but like he said, I mean, they've been on a winning streak but if you look at who they've actually played so um yeah you want to get into college basketball though let's do uh yeah let's do some college hoops we'll go with the the so-called amateurs and then we'll let we'll end the show um <laughs> with the the pros even though some guys in college are making more than the, than some of the NBA that's guys. right a really really small slate in in college basketball tonight and really only two games featuring uh teams with players that anybody's ever heard of uh, if, you, if you're keeping it non-write-in games, just the regular games, the only five games tonight, Wake Forest at North Carolina, Hofstra, Stony Brook, Idaho State, Montana State, Weber State, Montana, a couple of big, big sky games there, and then Cincinnati mm-hmm. at number three, Kansas. And you've got to play on the first and last. You're, you're, you're bookending the big five games tonight. Yes, I am. And I'm laying the chalk here with uh, our Blue Bloods. And I think you're with me on one of them, but I don't know about both. So first, I do like North Carolina. 5-0 and in their last five, covering in four of those five. Wake 2-5 and five straight up and 2-5 and five ATS on the road this year. North Carolina's just playing too good. They they look really good. They're in sync and um, top five defensively right now on Kempom. So we're going with the Tar Heels there, and then we are going with Kansas. And this is a great, great bounce-back spot for them. Lost a close game to West Virginia, a game they should not have lost. 4-1. and one. To the over in their last five, they have been scoring 26 offensively, 26 defensively on Kempom right now. So I like Kansas tonight to cover. And that's the one that I did end up following okay. you on, mostly because of the matchup. But there was also a bounce back number that you had showed me that really, really made a lot of sense to me as far as Kansas coming off of a loss. Yes, that might have to go to Ryan. We're going to have to go to him. And I think that goes back all the way to like 2018. Something like that. We'll find the number. But coming off of a loss, Kansas is one of the most unbeatable teams in recent memory, both ATS and straight up. Yes. We'll, we'll find that one. But that is the one that I that, that I joined you on, and it got up as high as nine. Kansas was as high as a nine-point favor. You and I both got it at separate books at eight, though, correct? Got it at eight, yes. And I could see Shop that. Shop around, get the best number. That's what it's all about. Cincinnati also going through the gauntlet their first time through the Big 12, and uh, we saw teams like BYU Cincinnati also kind of realizing early on that the Big 12, deservedly so, is known as the best conference in in all of college basketball, just in terms of top-to-bottom depth. There really are none or no bottom feeders, I should say, in that that Big 12 conference, and Kansas certainly no slouch. That's right, and Cincinnati has been good. I mean, I I will say they've been more impressive than we expected from them this year, right? They've had a couple down years, and they've done well. I just... You know that um, the Jayhawks are going to be ready. Tonight. They're ready to go. Well, well coached. And uh, another matchup, I guess you'd say the only other one featuring a, a ranked team. You go from number three, Kansas, all the way down to number four, North Carolina. I know Ryan's looking forward to this one when the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest head to Chapel Hill to take on the Tar Heels. This one, 871-872 on the rotation number. Uh, North Carolina was all the way up to eight and a half, but you got the Tar Heels at seven and a half, and you like them to cover. I did. Yes. And I got it overnight. Um, Wake Forest, they're they're good as well. Uh, ranked 36 right now in Ken Palm. But they aren't the best offensive. They're 247 in Ken Palm. So I expect the Tar Heels to get it done here and continue this win streak that they're on. North Carolina looking to stay perfect in the ACC. They're 5-0 and to start 15-3 and overall in the year. Wake Forest at 13-5. and They're 5-2 and 
in the ACC. All of a sudden, though, the ACC, not as strong compared to other conferences nationally. There was a long, long time that you and I can remember well where it was the ACC and then everybody else, and the rest of the country kind of caught up in terms of overall conference strength. I mean, it's fun, right? It's like, finally, we have this broad stretch of talent being distributed throughout the country, and any team can win on every, any given night. I mean, we've seen these ranked teams get upset night after night, and it makes it a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this this March Madness coming up. Yeah, Ryan, you've got your uh, Tar Heel Blue close enough on over there. That's your, that's your team. You think... Baycott and the boys have a shot to cover eight tonight? <laughs> Somewhat. I mean, I think in order to cover any number, R.J. Davis needs to have at least 25-plus. If, he, if he's held under, underneath that number, I, I think it's a much closer game. And I also think this is a game that Carolina historically finds a way to lose, give away. I mean, they are wearing retro uniforms tonight, if that means anything to anybody out there. You know that's a bettable um, handicap from my perspective, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they just beat up on Syracuse. They beat up on uh, Boston College. Um, but... I, th I think coming home, they're now number three in the country. Um, so they, they might feel a little arrogant. And it's an it's a in-state matchup, and they don't need to come out entirely. But I, I, I personally wouldn't lay the eight and a half just because I'm also a Tar Heel fan, and I have a little higher expectations. And I know that they can lose this game or can, can fold in this situation. But Alex has a very much uh, more confidence in them. It's tough. It's tough to win night in and night out, and especially to cover, but they have been on a roll, and I think they could have been at least a 10-point favorite here, so I was, I was okay laying the seven and a half. Demon, Deacon, Demon Deacons making about the 90-minute drive from Winston-Salem to the Dean Dome, one of the best nicknames for a college basketball arena in the country. That one gets started right when we get off the air, so got about nine minutes, just under nine minutes left if you want to bet that one, 871-872 on the rotation number. You didn't have any opinions on Montana State or Hofstra today? I didn't. Did you? No, not at all. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why I would. Uh, Chris Andrews, sportsbook director behind us, always does such a good job of wearing a shirt of a team that's Love playing it. that day. I don't think I've ever seen him wearing a non-sports team shirt or polo. It was Montana State today. Yes. And I said, "Hey, great shirt." He goes, "They're playing." I said, "I know. It's one of only five games that actually matters." But uh, there's some. He's interesting... got a good collection. You do yeah. have to give him he that. Does. He, he gets a, he gets a polo from everywhere he goes on a tour with one of his kids. So. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. If you have a game that you like, one of the write-ins, yeah. let us know in the comments below. Any any live comments to, to keep an eye on, Ryan? Yeah, we've we've got uh, Daniel Pacheco says a lot of people love Montana tonight against Weber State to cover Grizzlies, okay. to cover the one or one and a half. Um, and then we've also got uh, Mini Dar saying he loves the Magic money line to go along with Mark. Good. Um, he likes the Grizzlies money line and he likes the Celtics Mavericks over. Yeah, actually, he has tickets on both sides, so over or under. So that's not much of a. But yeah. It's the only way to guarantee you won't lose, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to Find work to at, behind it. the counter at the, the sports book at the Westgate, and uh, we, we had a guy that would come up to me all the time, and he was uh, it was during the summer, so he was betting baseball, and he would always come up and every day would say the same thing. You can't lose if you bet both sides. And I'm like, well, you really can't win that much, <laughs> if anything, either. You're getting the juice at, at the best, worst. I mean, it's... Yep. Well, unless you're shopping around and you're getting a little bit... Yeah of a difference there right i can but... tell you this guy was not that sharp okay <laughs> there are opportunities like in the nfl coming up where if you find a prop especially the prop market you, right. can, you can our bet the, the prop market yes. pretty effectively if you have access to a lot of different books and it, it's different here in nevada where there are a ton of options but not necessarily as many as many of the big ones as, as in other states no, no DraftKings, no fan duels sometimes they'll they'll hang a bad line because right. of the exposure in the national market right and mostly on nfl props i've seen where guys can take advantage of betting both sides at, at different books and for some reason it always seems to be reception props i don't know have you ever had any any luck or any success trying to bet both sides of something and no trying to middle, middle i don't, I don't like think i've actually really tried um i middled once with like teasing a team up and then laying the other side and that worked out well for me but that was kind of, I don't, I don't even remember. It was this year, actually, NFL. Look how good my memory is. Well, but we, we had a good middle on the uh, Dalton Schultz receptions in week 18. We, uh, we said over four, but under the six, and he had, had the five. five. So. Right on it. Yeah. Especially now where the lines are so tight, it's harder to find. But oh, during yes. the regular season, I'm sure that there's way more so arbitrage betting is what that's called. Yes, you go is. on uh, both sides of a prop at different, different books to try to middle a number like that. But, yeah, I'm always interested to see. Definitely that guy... They used to bet with me at Westgate, not uh, not sharp enough to think about. Great stuff from Mark. I'm glad you got him on. Um, is there any other props that 
you were looking at already for this weekend or that you liked that stuck out that well, one, he said? I, I liked his thoughts on both quarterbacks running a little bit. Um, I, I, I would tend to lean more to betting Lamar rushing props than Mahomes rushing props, not just because he's the you know, fastest quarterback in the NFL, maybe not named Justin Fields, but the fact that the the Ravens, like, like Mark pointed out, and I thought that was a really good point, they don't blitz because they don't have to. And you'll find a lot of these quarterbacks scrambling when they get six, seven guys coming right at them, and you can slip around the outside and, and find those openings. But I, I like Lamar overs. If Mark Andrews plays, I would wait until right before kickoff and go under on everything. That's a big if there because he's going to come back. Everyone's going to say, oh, remember when Lamar Jackson was throwing to Mark Andrews right. every other play? And the, the lines, I think, are going to start elevated in that and then only going to get bet up higher. Yes. So keep an eye on if Mark Andrews does play. I, like I said, I'd wait until closer to kickoff to let the public money come in and get those props stacked up higher. Those are really the only two that I've thought about. I'm going to do a little bit more digging before our, our tomorrow show, uh, more of a, a look-ahead show on Tuesdays. What about you? Any, any props you got your eye on? Well, to, to go with yours, the Chiefs allowed 72 yards from Josh Allen on 12 carries. So definitely take a look at that. And I can't believe how much the Texans actually did blitz, especially that first half. And then... The adjustments that were made by Baltimore in the second half and Lamar kind of did whatever he wanted and, you know, controlled that game from then on. But, yeah, I think they were blitzing at like 70%, which they aren't usually a team to do that either. But great point that um, the Ravens, they they don't have to and from their side. So I'm with you. I'm with Mark. I think this is the Ravens Super Bowl to lose at this point. Ryan. Ryan, whoever. Somebody's making these <laughs> points. I, I think gotta, all three of us are pretty – uh, yeah, I, I'm on I, did, I, the Ravens. Uh, I did like his Zay Flowers note of, yeah, of receptions certainly. being a little lower than they should be, uh, or his receiving yards a little lower than they should be, anticipating that Mark Andrews will come back. Even if he does, like the, like the first half of this last week, it's a little bit of rest versus rust, right. especially for him, because he hasn't been in the offense for, what, two months now, two and a half months now. So I still, Isaiah likely maybe taken under if it's set at the right number, but... Uh, Zay Flowers is, is still their number one. Yep. And most books hang their props on Tuesday. So we'll have some more context and some more yes. specific numbers uh, for everybody tomorrow. A couple minutes left in the show. I know you've got a couple basketball plays and then a hockey trend that you're hammering tonight. Okay, so that was it for me for college basketball. But I do. I have a fun hockey trend. And this goes, this is Winnipeg. So they are on this crazy run, Matt. They've held opponents to two or fewer goals in 14 straight. They've held opponents to two or fewer in regulation in 21. And then two or fewer 25 of their last 28 games. So now they have the Boston Bruins, who is very good. They're actually one or two on my power ratings. So I think this is going to be a very good matchup between these two. I like under one and a half in the first period. I got it at even money. That was early this morning, so I don't know if it's moved at all. But I also took a shot because draw 0-0 after the first period is plus uh, plus 390. So did a little pizza money on that one as well. That's not too bad. The Golden Knights-Penguins game that I was at, Frank was at, you two That's were right. not there, right? No. Correct. But that one was a 0-0 draw after the first period, and then all of a sudden everybody decided to score afterwards. And yeah, 14, I was trying to do that math quickly in my head. What, what percentage of the season is, is 14 games out of an 82-game season? I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a math guy. I'm a numbers guy. I'm going to get a trademark on that. But, I mean, that's a solid percentage of the season. It is pretty crazy. Held, what was it, two goals or less that Winnipeg's held their opponents to? Yes. Do you know, from a, even not, not from a, a numbers perspective, maybe a personnel perspective, yeah, why that is? Oh, Hellebuck's playing so good. Always helps. Yes, yes. He's, uh, what is the goalie award called? I always forget. Yes, so he's the favorite to win that right now. Gotta be. Yes. Former UMass Lowell Riverhawk in the Hockey East. What about you, Ryan? Any any plays that you're keeping an eye out for tonight? We'll say not UNC because I know you're not going to lay that big number. Yeah, no. Uh, I just wanted to point out the... That Kansas stat that you guys were looking for. Yeah, so Kansas please. is 6-0 overall and against the spread since January 28th of last year coming off of a loss. So they, they lost to West Virginia in their last game. And so so coming off of a loss, they're 6-0 overall and against the spread. Perfect. Yeah, let's flash. Since last year. Okay. Since January of last year. Since let's, let's flash Alex's plays year. again because I'm with her on Kansas. Uh, we, we both got minus eight. She's laying the seven and a half with the Tar Heels and then just about under everything that she could find in that Jets-Bruins game. Except for the actual total, because it's five and a half. If it, if it was six, I would have definitely been all over that. But, I mean, Boston's really good. And I, 
I actually think that trend might end tonight with the Boston Bruins because I like that side as well. They're about minus 130, but I really like that first period staying under. Getting some favorable numbers on a market that not a lot of people are probably betting. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming more known. Covers has done a good job. I've been following them on X, and they've been uh, tra- tracing it for a while now. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I think it might end, but not the first period, though. Slow slate tonight overall. We'll be back tomorrow uh, talking a ton of college basketball. We've got a full slate of college basketball. We've got hockey. We're going to take a look ahead. The legend, the dad of Alex White, Kenny White, joins us tomorrow. We're going to take a look at some NFL, some college basketball, even some futures talk. This is the time of year where we're seeing a lot of movement in the college basketball futures market. Big thanks to Vinny Maiulo joining us off the top, recapping the weekend that was in the NFL from the bookmaker's perspective. And big thank you to my old friend, Mark Zinno. Always love his perspective. He's yes. very passionate, I will say. No matter what, you could ask him about cricket, pickleball, anything. He's always got passionate and well-thought answers. Uh, she's Alex White, Ryan McCormick behind the glass. Anne and Andrew, thanks for doing your best to try to make us look and sound good. I know it's a, it's a tough challenge, but that'll do it for the Monday edition of Sports by the Book. I'm Matt Neverett saying thanks for tuning in. This has been Sports by the Book. Back at it tomorrow, 3 to 4 here on the West Coast, live from the South Point Sportsbook.